Welcome. Uh, this is episode number four of the Soul Samples podcast. I am your host, Lens Daniel. Hopefully, the audio quality is so much better than last time. I hope to make this podcast a little bit lighter. I just feel like recording these podcasts, I just don't feel relaxed. For whatever reason, maybe I'm just thinking about production or but you guys that are listening and hearing the podcast are my friends and family, so it's kind of weird to kind of <laughs> share my thoughts and ideas uh, about life and God and the Bible and how these things have shaped my life and also in respect to just what I am being uh, on staff personnel, so to speak. Uh, but I just want to be more relaxed. You know what? This is what it is. You know, I'm just going to kind of roll out. Uh, this podcast, like it, you don't. Um, again, Soul Samples Podcast is a sample for your soul. Hopefully this stuff is just hitting you in, in different ways that other podcasts may not. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's super boring and you don't want to listen anymore. And I don't blame you. I listen to my podcast back every week. Um, but I do want to introduce you guys that are um, listening for the first time and for the fourth, first time maybe the last time um, these podcasts hopefully are going to give you some, just some soul, you know, care, some work for your soul, some health for your soul, something to build up your soul, and hopefully some good recommendations for some musics to, musics, but music too. Um, and that's cool for me. That's cool to share records I'm listening to, records that really um, just get me in a mood. Um, and just get me excited. A lot of this, these records I listen to also, uh, just some background, where I'm at or how I'm doing with my relationship with God or just how I feel in the morning, they kind of bring my spirits to where I think it needs to be, uh, brings my, my, my mind and gets it in gear sometimes. Um, sometimes it's workout music, but the records are just to just help us out, help me out, help like form my desires in the right direction. So as you listen to Soul Samples and I give these recommendations, hopefully I have a link to the song in the show notes or bio. I don't know how it works exactly yet. This is all new to me. Um, and so title of, of episode four is um, In Process. And hopefully I'll talk about very clearly and efficiently what being in process is and what's healthy process and hopefully I'll share some scriptures to kind of influence and support my idea. Um, we might go through a thread of deconstruction and reconstruction, and I'll further talk about that stuff because I think y'all need to hear about it. You know, there's some words out there in the theological ethos that probably you can kind of use going forward as you look and reflect upon your life. Um, I also hope that you can not feel alone in this. When I say in process, we're all considering and working through various topics, various things in the culture that we're, um, you know, met face on with, um, whether it be politics or issues of sexuality and gender identity um, or, you know, economy, um, you know, even plights like world hunger that's super important to deal with. I think, honestly, God had all of these things in mind. And so I know this is kind of a long intro, 
Um, but I'm just doing it because I'm going to switch things up and be more relaxed on these recordings. So I hope you enjoy the Soul Samples podcast. I hope it hits you somewhere where you needed it. I hope it gives you something to chew on. So let's go. So I usually start the podcast um, with a question of some sort. I don't know what question you may be thinking about or imagining. I think a really good question for this podcast in process is what process means. I think like being um, human beings that have the devices of cell phones, iPads, computers, at our fingertips, and even social media platforms to project a position on in an issue can sometimes be really cool because you get to hear how everyone feels or thinks about an issue a lot more times than not. It brings more divisiveness in our culture today, right? Like issues on what's going on with President Trump or politics in general. Very quickly, you can see people from the left separate from people from the right. And anyone that actually tries to pursue a bipartisan agenda gets ripped apart from both sides. Um, And it's the same kind of in church culture as well. Like some of us that follow Jesus very genuinely and authentically will look at other people's perspective on things like you're too progressive on this, whether it's women's role in ministry or you're too conservative on this, conservative on this, whether it's their idea of what it means to have, you know, nonviolence or what hell it is all about. These kind of controversial issues in Christian circles as well as like just the normal, you know, goings on of our world. I think um, having a perspective on something is fine. Feeling like your perspective is out and out right is a tricky and more so a scary slope to kind of ski on. It's not, I don't think it's healthy. Um, Because for me to say I know exactly what's going on about a certain issue is limiting my perspective. It's narrowing it to believing that this is always the right answer for things. There's very few places in the world or in creation, in God's good creation, that we can say that about. Like, I think science in those fields, very clearly there are answers that are very margined, clear. You Like, we have, you know, explicit, tangible evidence that reflect our assumptions. Um, but even in those fields, there's some gray that continues to proliferate. That's why research grants are so important to universities. They're continuing to discover more about what's out there. But in our social medias, on Twitter, we can say this is exactly how the issue needs to be dealt with. Issues are issues for a reason. It's not that simple. It's complicated. It it, it just takes a little bit more time. And I think for us and for me, as I am the speaker on this podcast, the only host, we're processing a lot of things in life. There's so many things coming our way. I think I mentioned this in episode one, like 
our desires are constantly influenced by certain things and we're processing them and hopefully appropriating them, putting them in the right place in our lives so they can affect our desires in a positive way, in the right way. And depending on where you're coming from, your level of devotion to Jesus, or maybe you don't, you're not devoted to Jesus at all and you just randomly slipped into this podcast, I think we come with a set of presuppositions to every issue, ultimately, as a black immigrant, you know, from France, uh, even like a country, in my opinion, that doesn't necessarily accept me because I'm not a citizen there. It kind of feels weird because you never felt like you belonged. Belonging is a very um, important um, ingredient to feeling like a human being. <laughs> like you want to belong to your family. You want to belong to your friends, right? Like my best friends, like we kind of belong together. We roll as a crew, you know, when we make decisions, we have council meetings and we consider each and everyone's thought because it matters because we belong kind of to each other. If you're married, it's kind of the same process. You belong to your husband. You, If you're a woman, you belong. Uh, well, if you're a woman, you belong to your husband. And if you're a husband, you belong to your wife. It's that really cool, special, and what the Bible would say, life-giving, flourishing relationship. Belonging matters. And so not belonging to anything very easily switches how I feel about stuff like politics that talk about immigration. Those set of presuppositions I bring in, when I say presuppositions, they're kind of, it's my agenda, kind of. It's what's influenced me most of my life, which has been my family and my upbringing. It's also just sometimes how I'm feeling that day. These presuppositions start to alter the way I look at a subject that seems to be very clear and cut for me because I have a presupposition that wants to see the agenda going my way. I think that's why it's always tricky to say we're right about something. But again, I'm a 29-year-old person that doesn't know much. But I think that's my point. My point is we should always be processing things. We don't get a gold medal for deciding on something the first, being the first one to decide on things. Very rarely do you get this, you know, high acclaim because you decided to be right first. You know, the only field, again, is science and other things in that nature. But what matters most is not to be right today, honestly. And Timothy Keller says this best, and I probably said this already everybody's stupid today because in five years, Timothy Keller thinks, you know, views on things, more information comes out that shapes your idea or conception on an issue like immigration or an issue in the church like women's roles. And that five years ago, you can look back at your older self and say, wow, I was pretty dumb about this, right? You know, it's not about being right or wrong today. I think it's about the search and the journey of getting there, getting to the place where you're like, I feel really good about this. But process takes a while, it takes time, it takes a sort of effort and working. But we're not really afforded a lot of that on social media, right? I, I, in my opinion, I see social media posts and we kind of give a thumbs up or thumbs down. I mean, there's actual you know, platforms that give you thumbs up. Um, I don't know if there's thumbs down. 
There might be some down in, in Twitter, maybe. I, I'm not on that enough to kind of tell you for sure. But I think there's something very true about being able to thumb up and thumb down something. It basically says how many people are going to acknowledge me as right, how many people are going to acknowledge me as wrong, and how can I always be right? And I think if your pursuit is always to be right, that's a scary place to be. You know why it's scary? Because I think the desire for us to be right and wrong is the road to a lot of destruction. Even if we're right and we communicate it wrongly, (laughs) we're in a bad place. Like, let's keep it a buck. That's not a healthy place to be. But I think our search as we go to live and process whatever presuppositions we come into, we're searching to get to the right destination. So I think to get to the right destination, we sometimes have to strip away the presuppositions. And this is a word that I think is really cool in my estimation of things. Take it or leave it. It's a word called deconstruction. Um, And I think if you know what deconstruction in the more, I guess, general senses, it's pretty close to deconstruction in the more thinking, intellectual side of things. Um, And that is to break down something that we once thought was very useful or the truth. And we strip it down to what is actually right and true about this certain thing. Um, It could be anything, it really can. And why do we do the process, why why do we have the process of deconstruction? Imagine a building that doesn't get deconstructed and just is constructed on some faulty or kind of ill architectured or ill engineered structures. You can build upon it, but because the foundation that it stands on is kind of shaky and sketchy, that building lasting as long as it needs to be and being sustainable and actually kind of reaching its completion, it's a lot slimmer and lower. So any good engineer, any good construction workers, like we have to deconstruct it and keep the good parts, but take out all the bad. And that's the process of being in process. Remember what process is, and it's, it's imagine an assembly line of people or, you know, uh, you know, uh, I can't, mechanism, arm mechanisms that are putting together each piece to get us to an end goal that is right. I think this is healthy, and I, I'm kind of offering something. Maybe you're not looking for it. I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. I think this is important. In my life, it's been important. Um, it helps us get to the right place, to, to get to a place where we're not, we, don't, we didn't get too fast to get to the right answer, if that makes sense. Because then that's shoddy building. I think any construction worker could tell you that. If you built anything by hand, you can, you can figure it out. If you put together a masterpiece, either a sketch or a painting, or wrote a book before, doing it too fast, you kind of miss something. I, I mentioned this also probably episode one or two, but my point in saying all this stuff is we deconstruct wholly and solely to reconstruct. We deconstruct, take the things that are bad, or not useful anymore to reconstruct. I think what I want to share very personally and 
in a moment of transparency is I go to therapy probably two and a half, every two and a half weeks, right? And my therapist, she constantly tells me, yeah, this is not good for you anymore. This habit, this way of living life is not good for you anymore. But it got you here. Meaning it was useful to this point. Now you need to set it aside in a way, deconstruct, keep the things that were good about that habit and learn a new one. Reconstruct a new way of life. It's the same thing about living a life in process, considering these controversial issues in process. But I think in our current mode and culture today, changing our mind is so frowned upon. And I want to speak some more about this right after the break. In my opinion, like making a decision on anything is tough. Like, think about it. Um, Like going to a restaurant, very tough. Getting the Cheesecake Factory menu, you're looking at all your options. It's tough. And the first thing you do before making a decision, if you're wise and smart, especially at somewhere like the Cheesecake Factory, you ask the waiter or waitress, hey, what are your recommendations? That's kind of what I do on the podcast with the music soul samples. Every week I'm like, hey, what are your recommendations? Or I offer my recommendations on music. And I love that part. Like, I love to listen to a lot of music throughout the day. Again, it gets me in a good spirit, happy, helps me connect with God oftentimes. Most of the time, I do it because it helps me connect to God. Um, And so, my Soul Samples recommendation um, this week um, is Gallant Paper Tulips. Gallant Paper Tulips. I'm going to put this on the show notes. Um, Hopefully, if I don't forget, it is a magnificent song. Hopefully, I didn't mention it last week. I don't think I mentioned it last week. Paper Tulips, beautiful. If you're into R&B again and you're into like kind of a 90s kind of modern feel with really good production and really, really good vocals, Gallant is fantastic. I really encourage anyone to listen to all this stuff because it's so good and it doesn't morally <laughs> corrupt you with some weird lyrics that you're like considering your, considering your life existentially. But it, it does have some feels in it, you know what I mean? It does hit the, the feels bone where you're like, you know? Uh, so whatever you are, are kind of looking for, I think this is a great R&B track. Again, Gallant Paper Tulips. So that's my recommendation for this episode. I want to continue our convo on being in process. And I think I'll kind of just riff off of this Cheesecake Factory menu because I think the Cheesecake Factory menu is kind of a cool idea because we do actually talk to our our friends to give us recommendations or we ask our friends like to counsel us through making decisions because I think making decisions in life can be difficult. Finding the right college you want to go to Picking the job, the right job to fit into, what you're going to study in college, who to marry. We're faced with constant decisions. And most of our decisions, if we do it healthy, we have a process. I mentioned a bit of that process earlier in the podcast. 
but I think we want to deconstruct and reconstruct in the process, right? And I think part of the council is supposed to do that. If you're like a Bible nerd, think of the story of Moses and Jethro. It was kind of like Jethro was a council person for Moses as he made decisions for the group. Think about even a good story about deconstruction and reconstruction is the story of Job. He counseled, he was counseled by his friends. A lot of his friends were giving him really bad advice. And sometimes that's what happens when you counsel. For a lot of us that are maybe not tied to the Christian faith or persuasion, I don't know why I said persuasion, but it kind of sounds cool, but I won't say it again. (laughs) It's like, sometimes we're just like, bro, I just want to look this up on Google and have these articles dictate my decision on stuff. Cool. Be wary about what the media offers you because it can be a little, it can be sketchy. But I think when we go through the process of deconstruction, we're plucking out the bad stuff that is no longer good for us in our process. And we do it to reconstruct. The danger, and this I'm going to really be focusing on the Christian faith of deconstruction and reconstruction in the Christian faith, is that we take out everything. Well, if, you know, this is how the Bible actually thinks about this issue, or maybe you heard a lesson that really shifted your view on a lot of things, the tendency is to just rip apart everything and say that everyone lied to you, or whatever. Even like learning, you know, Again, a moment of transparency. Even about learning things about my family or about the world, even weird things that have happened around me in my life, the tendency for humans is to get in a place called crisis mode. Um, And crisis mode is crazy if you've ever been there. Like certain events that are traumatic happen in your life and it it makes you reconsider everything. Like, none of this is true. How do I know he's lying? How, how do I know he's telling the truth? And that is like the most extreme form of deconstructing because nothing is worth believing. Everything becomes gray. Everything is this ethereal mess. And you kind of go on your own whims and your own kind of agendas to make decisions. And that's just the unhealthy pendulum swing on that side. And the other pendulum swing is we never deconstruct it. We just believe everything everyone tells us and we keep building upon that. Well, this belief, and we kind of make links or we essentially flow our process with just putting together everything. Everything is true. And so we believe everything. We go for everything. And that sense of naivety gets us with a jumbled, wishy-washy kind of perspective on issues. And I really want to focus in on the Christian side of things because I think it matters the most. And I think think about this a lot because changing our mind in this culture sounds to many people very weak. To many people, it sounds wishy-washy when you change your mind. But the reality is, I think changing your mind is probably one of the healthiest things you can do. Because I see my Christian life as A destination I want to get to is that's to be fully and completely with God and Jesus. That I'm like on a GPS where I'm constantly being course corrected, 
recalibrated in my faith? What am I doing in those course correction and recalibration? I'm orienting myself closer towards God. Now, in the process of that, in this journey we call walking with Jesus, like there's places where we have to say, maybe that's not true about my perspective of Jesus. Maybe this theological tidbit my Christian tradition teaches isn't completely right. Does it mean we throw out the whole idea of Jesus because this thing about Jesus doesn't seem to quite match up? Or does it throw out, does it mean we throw out the whole idea about this Christian tradition that bases a bit of its theology or doctrine on certain things that aren't quite right? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think discernment comes in, but my, my honest opinion is I think you work through that in the basis of having a council of people to talk to, to consider, to bounce your thoughts, to be a soundboard. But crisis is a big thing. I think crisis is big because it takes us to a very scary place. A place where we deconstruct everything and we don't know where to start reconstructing. Crisis is scary. And crisis, for me, in my life, is uh, about five years ago, crisis was having discovered and been diagnosed with um, cancer, um, multi-type B-cell lymphoma cancer. That's a crisis for me. And in that place, I found myself reconsidering a lot of how I viewed God, reconsidering my whole thought process. The story of Job makes so much sense here because we see a man deconstructing his perspective of God. If you read the whole book, it's a very challenging read because it's, it, it goes kind of back and forth between him and God and even him and his dumb friends that don't seem to give him good advice. And then this whole story about Satan in the background, how God allows him to kind of afflict um, uh, Job with illnesses and afflicts Job with these bad things. Um, but the story gets us to a place where Job's concept of how God works in the world was now in crisis mode because he thought God worked in such a way that if I follow in obedience, deep obedience with him in genuine relationship, everything would go right for me. And very honestly, that's the same perspective I had when I had cancer or before I was diagnosed. And I think it's a lot of perspective that we generally have. If I'm obedient to God, God will offer blessings, pour blessings upon me like rain that comes from the clouds and, grew, and brings nourishment to the grass, the trees, everything, right? I'm obedient. God produces blessings. But the error in this whole idea and thinking is that's generally true, but not always true. And when it's not always true, the crisis comes, right? For me, the crisis of having cancer was considering my mortality, that I could die, that I was following Jesus not for super long, maybe four or five years of my life to that point. And I felt like God had my back. He always had my back on stuff. And then this happened. And I was, I didn't know what to do. I remember just looking at the sheet that explained what kind of cancer I had, 
hearing it from the gastroenterologist because it was in my stomach and feeling kind of in despair and hurt and mostly hurt by God. Because if I believe he is the author of life, the orchestrator of the cosmos and created this good world for me to flourish in, how can having cancer be a flourishing position? It, doesn't, it didn't seem to match up. And in that moment, I started to, without me realizing it, deconstruct my whole perspective on things. To me, it had to change, man. I, I could not live thinking on the terms of one-to-one obedience and blessing. Input-output situation that may work in math, that may work in other avenues of life. But when you're considering a relationship with God, it does not always work like that. But that's, that's shattering. That's a mind-shattering experience. For Job, read it. Read chapters, you know, 3 through like 42. And you could see him just, just wrestling through this deconstructing mode. He's taking out all the bad parts. For him, it's kind of this weird way. I'm going to explain it a little bit. I don't want to lose you guys in the story of Job because it is complex. And I would love anyone that's listening to this podcast to read through it if you don't. And I highly suggest a Bible project video on it. There's a couple videos. There's one on the book of Job itself where Tim Mackey, the scholar, um, the Bible scholar, explains every kind of segment of the book and its impact in the whole story and where the, the story of the book is taking you as you read it. And then there's also the other video where it talks about the wisdom literature and how Job fits into it and how it has this really cool animated five to seven minute uh, video explaining the book in more of a story. I, I re- highly advise you guys listening and reading both of those. And there's also a podcast I did on it. Uh, and a lot of that I learned from them and reading commentaries on Job itself and just seeing and hearing things. And you'll hear a lot good and bad. And hear a lot of that because in when we're in process of making decision on anything, we're considering the pros and cons. Constantly, Job is saying about God, like, I thought this was, I thought God was good, and why are these bad things happening to me? Because I'm doing all the good things and staying away from the bad. So, in turn, I should get more good things happening to me. And his friends are questioning him. He's saying, If all these bad things happened, you must have done bad things. Again, this one to one thing is, is a wrestling match. And I think it's a wrestling match for all of us. If we truly follow Jesus, we'll find ourselves in a crisis state where we have to deconstruct to reconstruct. The story of Job leaves us in his final kind of play. He kind of takes God to task kind of in a courtroom style and he challenges God to defend his perspective. And God and, and only he, his only, the way God only can he explains the complexities of how he created the the cre- uh, he created creation. How there's Leviathan out there that are dangerous. Are they bad? Or are they good? No one really knows. That's not the point. Always distinguishing things from bad and good has got us where we were today. 
if you believe in the Bible story, Adam and Eve deciding good and bad with their own eyes is kind of what made the ripple effect of sin and destruction and this kind of weird cursed state that the world is in today. We can no longer kind of look at it with our own terms of good and bad, but understand there's complexities that we don't understand. And what do we do? We offer it back to God's perspective. So how do we reconstruct? I think ultimately you'll never reconstruct perfectly. That's just point blank, period. That's not the point of everything. It's not to get it perfect, but it's slowly but surely aligning your heart to God's will. For Job, going and taking God to task in this courtroom style conversation brought him to realize this is a lot more complex. But if I yield my heart towards God's desires, I can start reconstructing well. I think for us, a practical uh, sense of, of doing that methodology, methodology, that's the word I'm looking for, is to consider our counsel, yes. It's to pray deeply, absolutely. Pray a lot. It's to get more evidence on whatever thing we're making a perspective on. But I think it's another thing. I think this is one of the most valuable places that it takes us. Because for me, when I had cancer, there was one thing that I kind of forgot in the midst of my crisis. And I think it's one thing I want to continue um, in this conversation in the podcast and probably close out there with just a thought as I, consider, as I continue to share my story on cancer, but also continue to share my story on what I think, uh, I, what I, my thoughts on how God would love us to process things and how that should flood into other ways we process things on social media and life, um, or even just within our families, our friends, our church, um, our community groups, ministry groups, whatever it is. So, man, let's keep, let's keep having this conversation. We'll take a quick break. In this process of being in process, um, I think we find ourselves always deconstructing and reconstruct. But the, the biggest obstacle and stumbling block to this process, and I think the cool thing, again, there's so many deconstructing and reconstructive narratives out there in the Bible. I really want to offer you guys Job, but I want to offer you guys one, another person as well. Um, the Apostle Peter, the one given the keys to the kingdom, um, Later in the book of Matthew and obviously in Acts, we see him open up the kingdom with a great speech at Pentecost. Deconstruction to, to reconstruct. The hardest thing or the most kind of prevalent stumbling block is our own sense of narrow-mindedness. Our own willingness to always be right. This is just a thought. It's not even just, yeah, I guess it is just a thought. Just a thought. This closes out my podcast. It generally is. But, right, it's the narrow-mindedness that we think this is how things should be. Coming from specific Christian traditions, this is how they believe things should be being reformed or being Protestant or evangelical or Roman Catholic, wherever, persuasion, Seventh-day Adventist or Mormon. It's this narrow, sometimes very narrow perspective. Jesus in coming on earth and walking with his disciples for three years, 
I imagine he could have gave them the answer the first day he met them. Or maybe his answer was always implicit in his teachings. Possibly. I don't know. These are just things I'm saying. This is just a thought. This is my rolling kind of thought process of things. Like, honestly, like, why not? Why didn't Jesus just say it one time and just make it clear and we just keep moving? Why do we have to read a Bible that's so dense and complex with so many things going on, with so much moral corruption and so much um, goodness, but also this badness that continues to kind of flood through the story? Um, I think it's to show us that it's, one, not that simple, and that having a narrow view on the world and life is so foolish. Our presuppositions can't narrow our view. If anything, it should give us a more diverse view. Because I am a black immigrant that's never really felt belonged to or taken in by the U.S., it gives me a very deep perspective on people that are very similar to me, obviously. People that are minorities, as well as people that um, are immigrants. And I think I, I walk... And I'm going to take this back to having cancer. Having cancer opened my mind up and opened my perspective up to how God kind of orchestrates life. It's not one-to-one. You do good, one good thing, you get a good blessing on the other side of things. It's not. It's not that simple. Um, If it was that simple, then I think that would not facilitate a very genuine relationship with God. Point blank. I think God becomes a vending machine. No one wants that or a genie, whatever kind of analogy you want to put. It's just not, that's not how relationships work. It's a push and pull. It's a wrestling match. Again, it takes a crisis sometimes to realize that. For me, it had to. It had to take a crisis and help me open up things. For me, having cancer And going through the process of being in process, (laughs) I kind of realized that life is much more richer than getting blessings back from God. It was kind of, the blessing for me now became just being obedient. And this is a very specific lesson I learned, but I'm trying, I'm going to try and tie this back with the deconstruction, reconstruction method um, or, or process of going through things, whether you're considering women's roles or you're considering politics or you're trying to work out some gray issues within your church or relationships around you, what I I realize um, that having a narrow perspective on how it is or making issues too flat or black and white destroy the humanity and the relational side of making really good decisions. Because I think that's what the problem of social media is when we decide this is wrong and this is right, we dehumanize the whole idea of the issue. We say humans are not involved. It's a simple calculation and an estimate that has a result like that. And that's ugly. And that's ugly and it breeds a lot of turmoil on the interwebs in real life. God always considered the human aspect Jesus always considered the humanity and the dignity of being a human to his followers. Giving them the right answer wasn't going to dignify a genuine relationship he was going to build with them. It just wasn't. 
in my opinion. It wasn't. What was going to dignify a really good relationship with him, what was going to honor that, was allowing them to have their minds open to what Jesus was doing when he walked with Peter. Peter thought, hey, this is the Messiah that's going to take down the Roman government a type of way like the great kings of old. Like King David. He's the son of David. So that implies he's going to work and dominate and conquer like David. But slowly but surely, as he walked with Peter and the rest of the disciples, he was opening them up to, this is going to happen a different way. They didn't realize it. They didn't process it well. So much so when he died, they all dispersed. They all disappeared. Jesus, not Jesus, but Peter denies Jesus three times in this deconstructing process. In a way, he's like deconstructing in a very, very, very unhealthy way, right? It's like, dead, no, denial, 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 right? It's like, and it's embarrassing because it wasn't just denying this concept of him being the Messiah. He was denying the concept of his friend and the relationship he had built with him. It was deeper than that. Deconstruction can't be obliterating everything. It's keeping the good and rebuilding on something better. For me, cancer was like obliterating the bad things about making God a vending machine and building the good things that still obedience is needed to have a really good relationship. One-to-one blessing is not going to happen. But genuinely, the blessing is being in relationship with him. Now, you don't feel the blessing of that all the time, but it still opened my, uh, myself up to how good God could be with, to me in the process of having cancer. How do I suffer well? How do I be in crisis? How do I rebuild? I think you rebuild by relationship. I think we rebuild by looking at the people affected at our decisions when we go and process. We humanize our decisions on issues. There's a face to these issues. They're not debatable for no reason. It's because there's men and women on both sides of, you know, women's roles in the church or sexuality and gender or immigration or President Trump. So we, we don't need to rush to a decision. We don't need to be the first one to be projecting or pronouncing this decision. No, think we're like Jesus or think like Jesus who took his disciples in process and taught them a ways relationally of how things should be done, meaning our decisions should always be thinking about the people affected in mind. And then being open-minded, because our perspective only gives us one side, and one side that does matter, but it doesn't matter more than, you know, the whole rest of the side if it makes sense. Everybody's kind of perspective kind of needs to be considered within reason. Within reason is a big deal, right? But my, my thought as I kind of close out the podcast and I have us think about thing, this whole thing is that I think Jesus calls us to an open-mindedness that's always centered on his true heart of what? Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. 
and also reflect back on the Sermon on the Mount, loving our enemies. So if your decisions are like linked to being right, filter it through, am I loving God deeply? Am I loving God? Am I loving my neighbor? Am I loving my enemies? If those filters don't seem to match up your decisions, I would say your decisions need to be reconsidered, maybe deconstructed a bit, and then reconstruct. And what does reconstruction do? It builds such a fresher, more beautiful, more flourishing, more potent faith. I think we'll have so much of a genuine heart towards our relationships in general and our relationship with God if we went that way. Now, it's up to us. I constantly struggle with that. Even having cancer, I, I constantly think, like, why? Why did I have to get cancer at that time? Why did it have to happen with these series of events back to back to back? I was kind of like Job, kind of like, dude, it, it still doesn't fit. And in our process, we're, all, we're not always going to be able to make sense of every part of the process. But what we want to do is get our hearts closer and closer to the right destination, where we want to get to a good decision. Maybe even saying the right decision, not healthy terminology. Maybe getting closer to a good decision on something is closer truth to things. And I think the caveat over all things, I, I, the filtration system I said, loving God, loving others, and ultimately loving um, our enemies, because that is the heart of God ultimately, is those three kind of commands. Um, but I think the caveat is, a lot of these issues, uh, the Bible offers its heart that's very clear on. And a lot of these issues, it doesn't. The clear heart that, that the Bible offers, for those of, that believe in the Bible in that way, we should stick to. It, it becomes a simpler conversation. But I think having an open mind is knowing that's true. The Bible definitely has this perspective on sexuality and gender, but also loving the people in the midst of the conversation and the issues. Otherwise, we're no better than people that rage on Twitter, um, that rage on Facebook about how they think the world should go. We don't have the answers. Adam and Eve in the garden shows us our kind of conception on right and wrong. It's just, it's not the best, it never will be, and we always should defer and submit kind of our faculties and thinking to God. And that's why prayer becomes such a beautiful element in all this. So as you consider these really hot topic issues, process them and give yourself some space to say, you know what, in a couple years, couple months, couple days, I may change my mind. It doesn't make me a weaker person. If anything, it shows like a healthy open-mindedness that allows everyone to kind of be in the decision-making process, to love more people, and to also align our hearts with God's will in this deconstruction, reconstruction process. So this is kind of closing out the process of the in-process podcast of Soul Samples podcast. Sound confusing, but hopefully it was clear for you guys that have been listening to episode four. I think I might have another song to recommend for you all if you're really looking for something. Um, there's uh, this song called, I think it's um, People by Evan and Iris. It's Evan, E-V-A-N, and Iris, E-R-I-S. They're like Christian 
kind of hip-hop duo. It's a, actually a brother and sister. I think they're twins. I'm not so certain of that. Uh, super good song. And it kind of talks about how as people were like in this weird place where we have to make decisions and we generally make the wrong ones and ultimately in the place of process, God offers lots of grace. Um, and I think that is super special in this song because I think it, it's like, again, humanizes it and it also doesn't put a lot of pressure. Again, in this process, we shouldn't put a lot of pressure to make decisions. I think God ultimately has already carried the burden for us. We let him do the thing. He ultimately knows how the human life should go. So Evan Iris, I think it's called uh, People. I'll probably put in the show notes. Thanks for listening. This was kind of a, a rough thing. I was just kind of flowing and mooding through this thing. And hopefully it's something you guys liked. And hopefully the sound quality is great. Um, hopefully you guys still listen in episode four. Maybe you're just bored of my voice and you just want to hear a co-host. Uh, I would not blame you for that either. But thanks for listening. Um, Y'all have a great week. Peace. Much love.